1: Hey everybody, Samson Folk here with the Rapcast slash whatever. This isn't really a podcast episode, per se. More so just wanted to talk to Ben Pfeiffer and get his thoughts on Scotty because he'd done some work on him recently. And Scotty, for Raptors fans, is probably the most intriguing persona on the roster. For many people, represents hope and brimming potential of the future and all that kind of stuff. And so it, now is as good a time as any to have the discussion. For those of you who are looking for free agency, uh, trade commentary from me, Blake Murphy will be coming on to talk about that stuff. We just—I've been doing a lot of carpentry work. He has a new Blue Jays show. We'll figure it out sometime. But the Katie stuff is on the back burner. So so is the podcast and stuff like that. But at some point. But today. Mostly just talking about Scotty and how interesting a player he is, how interesting his development to this point has been, and perhaps, depending on what Ben says, how much more interesting his development in the future can get. So, Ben, I'm very curious to hear just off the start where Scotty proved your pre draft analysis wrong and what made him pop in your eyes in new ways. Yeah. Uh, uh, first off, the
0: background really complements your eyes. I just noticed that it looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> just had to get Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I think. Um, I mean, it's definitely like the the on ball scoring, um, which you know I think like you've pointed out plenty of times throughout the season. Many people have as well. Scotty's kind of evolution into a really prolific on-ball score in like the mid post and in that like three to ten foot area is the most impressive thing like it is like probably the most impressive development of the draft cycle so far to me for for 2021 because that was never scotty's game as you know we'll talk about more i'm sure like there were moments in scotty's pre-nba basketball career where he was dual where he was doing (laughs) a lot of scoring and where he was you know carrying a scoring load but he generally wasn't that graded it um especially by like star youth score standards and there were a lot of issues that to me and to a lot of other people would have precluded him from doing similar things in the nba like his burst or his strength or his general craft and you know touch and scoring just general scoring toolkit but he has like found a neat like uh, a niche already is this like mid-post killer who like beats up on smalls and even like smaller wings from like 10 you know 10 12 13 feet in and like all manner of little like hook shots and short mid ranges and drive to the rim which is so impressive considering where he was and that some of his like you know strengths that i thought would translate maybe immediately still seem to be you know not all the way there or improving or, or kind of just developing already
1: so the strengths that you thought would translate i'm curious if they if ours match up so i'll name a couple that i thought didn't track relative to what I was told and what I saw at the FSU tape, for example. And the connective passing was something that missed the reads against the second level of the defense was something he really struggled with. He, he was great in isolation. We'll talk about it more, you know, how he achieves that, obviously. But seeing a guy who was supposed to be this, you know, one of the better passing, big passing prospects of the past decade, that's how he was talked about. This was the big promotion of his offensive game yeah scotty was one like the best six eight passers of the plus in the world period like yeah and so that was that was a big part of his game this was something that raptors sold fans on and yet he was seen more as a scorer and typically during his his rookie season struggled to read and manipulate the second level and was dynamite in isolation, but struggled to read the second level. And was a little bit slow making those connective passes. And if you want to know what a connective pass is, think of like this side top side action that could typically be seen between like Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and uh, Bogdanovich, for example. But I'm curious where else you think that the
0: scouting report didn't come to fruition. Yeah, that I mean, I, I totally agree with you. That was like the main thing um just I mean that's like really like the only big thing is that just the general like kind of processing speed the extent to which you saw the game um was a lot slower than I expected and like there's certainly a a leap from pre-call from pre-NBA to the NBA in terms of like how fast defenders move and how big and strong and athletic defenders are and how much quicker and you know more actively they close off passing windows but Usually when guys are like that special feel-wise pre-NBA, they're usually pretty good right away. Like Cade, another like insanely high feel guy who translated right away as a passer. Same with someone like LaMelo in recent years. You know, obviously there were different roles and, you know, the the passing manifested differently. But I'd argue like from a pure like vision, processing, awareness standpoint, Scotty was just, just as good as those guys. Um, If not, you know, a a tick lower, but he was, he was, you know, close to that level. I do wonder if it's just like, this is again, like a pretty foreign role to him. The way he played in the NBA was probably closest to like what he did in EYBL with Knight Riders, where he was like the primary initiator of that team. And I'd say that's definitely like the worst passing stint of his pre-college career where he was, you know, least effective as a passer in the half court and also just like didn't pass as much as he did in you know other settings so you know adapting to a new role um adapting to the nba but was definitely surprised that even when i mean the raptors is also just like a weird system where they like don't really do pick and rolls and there isn't a ton of off-ball movement so i i'm sure that was like somewhat jarring for for a guy like scotty who thrived on that for you know his whole youth career yeah i was like quite surprised like equally as surprised that the scoring was so good that he wasn't like immediately a really impactful processor and then that's not to say like i think he was bad there like i think he was like probably pretty average for a rookie on i'd say especially one with his scoring load but just like considering who he was his whole life it's kind of weird
1: the context changed what flashed in his game i'm curious when you look at him now and we see you know you described like this incredible touch especially in the the short mid-range it was unbelievable yeah. that's kind of the raptors between well, past he was cons- like
0: 60 like percent from like three to ten feet or something it was ridiculous
1: yeah, yeah. absurd and so i'm curious when you look back at scotty and you see a guy who scores with length and in that big piece i did on him i described it as or him as the most muscular frog you've ever seen the way he <laughs> he's not taking these long steps like Ogiena Ananobi, for example is a guy who picks up his dribble and he uses his length to step around guys but Scotty is more of this like dominant hop stepping with a live dribble changing you know not not vertically but horizontally and then always being able to get square to the rim you know his his butt could be to the basket when he starts his gather but his shoulders will be square when he goes up and it, you you really brought up how length is such a unique scoring tool and it's one that he has the you know, the, the feel to wield and to use against. But I'm curious if you look back now and you say, knowing what I know now, I can see the markers that led to this point. And I'm curious if you have any takeaways about prospects and kind of looking for different things because of that, or is this just like, it was something he developed at the NBA level?
0: Yeah. I I think there's certainly some level of like outlier development um, as as there is with basically every star, you know, it certainly isn't prudent to like make overarching generalizations about one case. But I do think there's certainly takeaways um, and like like the big one that like I did, like kind of was like the thesis of that video is that I think like r- like ha- having a guy who excels in a bunch of different roles and a bunch of different contexts pre-college is important. And like n- not everyone can do that because like one, like people don't play on enough different teams um, or like, you know, some guys will just play on their like crappy like. High school team where they're like the on-ball guy and go to some school with the on-ball guy and you know that's just the way it is but for someone like scotty who has played at like multiple high level prep schools high level aau teams fiba usa teams a high level college like college basketball team um, and all those teams operated differently and because like scotty has such a malleable skill set um i think like he was able to adapt and be successful in all of them um and something that you know we're kind of knowing is how important, like getting those reps and just like learning how to play different acts assets aspects of basketball is important in development. like something you can't really replicate in practice or in, in you know in training or in open gyms. And I think Scotty's adaptability is remarkable. and like it certainly I think is probably core cordial- to correlative with his just generally high feel for the game is you know awareness his court mapping his recognition all that you know whatever words you want to use I think that is you know kind of an indicator you say hey like my NBA team is going to need me to do x totally different thing I have the tools and you know the skills to do it and some guys obviously don't have those tools you know even if a guy is great and is you know smart and play a bunch of different roles and if he's like not athletic enough to you know be the level of score or whatever like in the NBA he, he can't do it but Like Scotty always had the tools, like the length, as you said, um, was always an impressive scoring tool. And something that I'm like thinking more is like something that can actually work at like higher levels that, you know, I I feel like was previously something I thought of as like, oh, yeah, he's just like someone who's like longer than everyone in college or whatever. And that's not going to translate. But I I don't think that's the case, especially when you have a guy like Scotty, who isn't like the most athletic guy in the world in really any way. Um, like he's not so explosive vertically or horizontally. He's not the strongest in the world. He doesn't have the greatest balance or anything like that. But what he is, you know, preternatural at, as using as using his brain to apply those tools in a functional way that impacts, you know, the game of basketball, which is honestly like way more important than a guy who is like a freak athlete, but you know, has no real concept of what to do with with his you know amazing tools but i think that like the main thing that scotty general like role flexibility and you know malleability over so many different years like like at montverde like he, when he played with Cade cunningham and daron sharp and moses moody like he was like an offensive rebounding like post passing connective four and in eybl he was a primary and similar at you know his old prep school and then at florida state he was this weird like pass first point guard, interior scoring hybrid. That was like the weird, that was just the weirdest team ever. Like, yeah, I think Scotty's ability to do all these things is like really impressive. And I I think I probably also just like like undervalued a guy being like his height and his size, like actually like being able to be, you know, as effective as he was as a primary scorer in any capacity. I was like a big Moses Moody guy and like part of my rationale was like, oh yeah, he was like a, you know, pretty big time primary scorer in UIBL despite not doing anywhere else. And like, I didn't carry that over for Scotty for whatever reason. That's just, you know, a, a nice indicator, but that was th- kind of rambled, but yeah. Yeah. So
1: let's something more focused would be selfishly, <laughs> yeah. you know, and rambles are good, but like, this is a really fun question to ask somebody like you is when we think about Scotty being so malleable and not only that, but being malleable and then succeeding, is there an ideal version of development that you have for him? Or is that just like a shot in the dark, not even worth it?
0: Um, there's definitely like a right answer. And I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I think the way that Scotty is going, I kind of like what they're doing with him. Probably just like continuing to increase his scoring privileges. as he As he grows and matures, I have like confidence that he's going to, you know, improve the processing and the passing stuff just because of how like amazing it was at lower levels. And I think that's like one of like the biggest reasons I have like so much optimism for him as like a, you know, real star on the line is that I think, you know, you know, whether or not this, you know, it, it's very likely that, you know, at some point in his NBA career, even if soon, like his context is going to change, the, the, his teammates are going to change, the guys around him are going to change. And like, if he's, you know, in a context where, you know, he has like a, a point guard who can really run pick and rolls or like. And another, another scorer who's like getting to the paint and have, having a ton of gravity. I think playing off that's going to open more of his game. But I think as you go for now, I think you just keep building Scotty as this like real on-ball scorer. Because um, I, th- I think that's his like most likely pathway to a real stardom. And also something that like the Raptors don't really have and could really use for their, you know, the second wave of hoping to contend for, you know, a title again. As someone who is like a really, really impressive intermediate scorer, I wonder how much like athletic, because like, obviously, like you mentioned, like the thing with him, like his like butt can be basket, but he's like always going to square his shoulders. But I'm like, I wonder if you can like develop his flexibility or his like, kind of general court, like movement skills to get him in better positions, like at the start of shots. So he can, you know, doesn't have to work so hard to to finish because like, If I remember, he wasn't like the greatest at the rim this year, I don't think. Definitely, definitely not the greatest. Yeah. And he wasn't like, like that's always been like a weak, a purported weakness is that like lack of like amazing touch and explosion. Either he has to be like really like league and league best incredible from like three to 10 feet area or expand the scoring game somewhere else. You improve his, his scoring, you know, maybe the three ball comes along some more. I'm not so bullish on the three. I can kind of see him as like decent efficiency, low volume guy throughout his career. Um, unlocking like a you know, a, a deeper pull-up jumper would be like the real you know game breaking thing for him, and something that, like if I were the Raptors, I would be like really trying to develop. So, yeah, I mean, just just like keep working on that scoring toolkit to me is like the best way to go for him at this point because, like you're already going that way anyways. So rather than just these
1: dominant like on ball scores, is there is there a way to reimagine this? I, I talked with Caitlin Cooper when I was doing like, why do you love basketball? That section of pods. And we talked about how the post has kind of been inverted from rather than the scoring hub that it was, that it's now more so a playmaking hub. And it's because it kind of inverts defensive principles. So a lot of players, perimeter players in particular, have a tough time guarding post actions, especially with heavy cutting. Jokic has been making a lot of money based on this, like this kind of yes. tenant. And I'm I'm curious about Weaponizing him in the post more often. OG is currently the highest um, usage post player on the Raptors. A a decent amount of that is hit head passes, early work and stuff like that. But it's also, you know, a meaningful amount of touches. Pascal has less because he has to be a primary initiator. But I'm curious what you think about not only having him initiate of the post more as opposed to maybe more traditional pick and roll stuff, but also this is something they went to right away in his career was just the dribble handoff sets because yeah. getting him keeper plays against bigs where he's in motion gets to use those long legs it makes you want to talk about yeah. functional athleticism that's a good way to weaponize
0: it but that's the, that's one area where i'm like where I certainly expected him to be awesome. Like I've like written and you know, talked about this like that like modern like DHO short roll big is like becoming such a critical part of great great NBA offenses. I would love to see Scotty like explored more because that's like basically what he did all of his like youth career. A guy who like is so good passing the cutters and like exploiting the little mistakes that that help defense generates. And I think again, like him improving his scoring tools and you know, if he can, you know, more consistently create advantages. And you know more consistently, you know, really draw help defenders on the ball because like he's like an amazing like tough shot maker with his length and his touch. At this point, but I, I still think there's definitely a ways to go in terms of you know creating those high those high level looks, um, those high you know expected value efficiency looks for himself consistently. And I think you know more DHO action makes that easier. More off ball movement makes that easier. Um, I think some of the onus is definitely on like Toronto to facilitate that too because. You know your off-ball passing doesn't matter if there's no off-ball movement. I know that well as someone whose <laughs> only valuable skill in pickup basketball is passing cutters. Um, like, <laughs> like you need guys to go. Uh, like, like if you're not like like Trey or Luca or Lamelo and someone who can create advantages like crazy off the dribble and force rotations, you got to force them another way. And I think Scotty is like the is could be like a really ideal hub, like like you said, to do that through. Also, because like you can set him up. Um, on, like, the second notch at 10 feet or eight feet, um, you know, run like a, a Warriors split action um, or have some backside stuff. And because, like, you have to worry so much about Scotty's score, about Scotty's scoring in that area, like, that opens up his passing too. Like, the Draymond short roll, Achilles' heel, is that, like, he was never really that prolific of a scorer. Um, you know, obviously, this, this is what you think of when you think of, like, the platonic ideal short roll kind of DHO keep big facilitator. And while like, I don't think it's really fair to expect Scotty to get to that level of passer because like basically nobody at that size can, I do think he, he he probably already is you know exceeding him you know on his way to exceeding him as a scorer, and like just being able to have that you know ten foot little push shot or being able to drive with your length into a big, um, so defenses especially at the highest level in the playoffs can't just back off and play the pass um especially if you have like any other guys on the raptors really develop as shooters or scorers who can continue to draw defenders and Scotty is someone who again a thing that i think many people like myself uh, included like projected that he would kill in is like four on three advantage situations out of like like quick slips and short rolls uh, which is something that you know kind of manifested like in transition but not really in the yeah. half court because that's just not really how the raptors run offense but I definitely think there's like something to incorporate there because like you, you certainly have like on ball scoring threats like on the Raptors. Pascal is like a real on ball scoring threat and like Fred with the pull up, I think can, can can generate some of that too. So I do love that idea of Scotty continuing to like explore his versatility as like passing hub. And again, just like adding to his arsenal of things he can add to an offense like is, is just a great thing. And then continuing to improve his decision making and his processing. Um, and again, those like complex decisions that he's making in real time on the move um, become like, like like we talked about at the top, like the, the the second level reads, like those become a little easier when you have off ball action and you have, you know, stuff buoying you. And hopefully that can also help him improve his, his ability to process, you know, harder rotations or backside defense as, you know, the on ball guy. That's you hit
1: on a lot of things and you brought up the transition being like. Where these reads manifested, because the defense has to respond in transition. Because everybody's moving in transition, everybody's filling lanes, and the Raptors, they know how to move in transition. They don't really know. Well, they know how, but by design, they don't do a lot of that in the in the half court. And even in the half court, they have a really funny wrinkle: is that they put a lot of guys below the free throw line for offensive rebounding purposes because they think. Why would we have a guy out spacing who the defense doesn't respect? Let's just have him go by where the defender is because the defender's yeah. not coming out, and he can have a better shot rebounding. But Scotty, it—I'm very interested to see how knowing how what he did in transition, where not only is he finding the right pass, but he's manipulating and bringing defenders to step up into right. lanes. He's He's using his dribble to occupy other lanes. That was always, to take, the, the thing, yeah. Like,
0: the, the manipulation was always so was so awesome for him. Like,
1: yeah. And and in transition, he can dictate that guy's step up because he's a runaway train, right? Like, all that athleticism stuff, the the unique aspects of his game, it pops in transition because these long loping strides. He has enough of a handle to maintain balance and to maintain manipulation, and he. While he isn't the best finisher at the rim relative to size and length, he's definitely good enough. And so
0: especially in the open floor. Yes. Yes. And like really like all transition is is just like a speed and numbers advantage. Like Mm -hmm. and you can like with you know creative east west action, like you know, split short roll stuff like that, you know, prime golden state warrior stuff, like you can approximate that same stuff in the half court.
1: They don't run split anymore. They used to run it with Mark. They run delay though. And delay is just as, it's not as good as far as a, a playmaking thing. It relies more so on sleeping defenders than split does rather than like forcing tough decisions. I think it's just like that, that, that back cut, but it gives you a live dribble to make those passes with. So I think that delay could, is a, an interesting avenue for them to try more with Scotty, but they also have to have willing cutters and guys to space. So yeah, the, how they balance the floor with scotty on ball i think is one of the most intriguing aspects of this upcoming season uh a lot of times when he was off ball he was in the weak side corner and that's a great place to cut from but it's also it's completely dependent on how the defense responds yeah. so it's kind of, really yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead
0: also kind of just like an unimaginative use of Scotty's skills since like mm-hmm. i think like at this point like spot up three-point shooting is probably like the last thing i want him doing consistently on offense like he can do it um, and he certainly, you know, it's important for his closeout attacking game and his driving game, but, like, he's not, like, he's never been a very good three-point shooter, um, and while I, like, like I I think, like, really prolific, like, mid-range pull-up scoring is an indicator for improving mm-hmm. um, pull-up jump shots, like, it's happened, you know, like, Kawhi, Middleton, even Pascal uh, at, like, similar ages. I, I think Scotty's behind those guys, for sure, um, but... Yeah, I mean, like like get him moving off ball and, you know, cutting as well and moving off screens and, you know, setting more screens himself.
1: That piece that I wrote was at the end of it all. Okay, we're looking at a guy that you described, you know, the Draymond Green principle of a guy who's making the right decisions in those advantage situations, but without the caveat of like when he puts that short roll shot up, it's not a brick. And maybe even that short roll can be turned into a post up. Right. And there's there's just a lot of different variations for Scotty to use it in. But also that he is an isolation bucket getter, which adds like a significant wrinkle to it, it breaks the archetype. Right. It for means sure. that yeah. there isn't really a player like that. We haven't seen a star like that. No, it's, not in this context of the NBA. It's
0: a weird it's a weird combination of potential skills. Mm-hmm. And like that's like part of what makes the future of Scotty for me, like on offense, like so intriguing. Is that there is this passing underneath like i have seen the tape like you've done like he's done this before well you know it just makes sense to think that is still in there and can be unlocked and i really hope whatever development they're doing is intentional about um continuing to bring that to the forefront and and working that through because i think you could be like a really unique uniquely effective offensive like kind of utility star like probably never the guy who like is carrying your offense like you know like Kawhi. like he's just you know almost everyone is but you know unlikely to reach that threshold as a scorer and as a shot creator um but his you know brilliance combined with a burgeoning you know interior mid-range scoring game with enough shooting is like not really a player that we have in the league Mm -hmm. um and and one that makes a ton of sense in the modern game too like yeah well he's
1: Seeing a guy with the touch that he had, but also how brutish he is. He's for how young he is coming into the NBA, we expected of guys like Zion, like, hey, you have such a physical imposing advantage. You're going to you're going to put that on people. You're going to make people step up to you and challenge, like test the limitations of their physicality. Scotty does the same thing, and that was probably the most interesting aspect of the if you evaluate like the dog in them type thing <laughs> right like scotty if a guy had even if he was within five pounds or lower of him it was like weight room and right, see what is, the response is
0: which is just like it's it's so it's so opposite to what scotty was his whole youth career like i i had clips in that youtube video of him like struggling to move like like college point guards um and like Anecdotal, I mean I, I could just be totally wrong on this, but like I like never thought the touch was really that great. Like like in that same like, you know, mid mid range, you know, like long paint, short, mid area that he's so great in. Like I think Scotty was like under like 35% in his college. I didn't see any season say it was a plus. Yeah, he nobody. Was like, well, like that was a weakness. So the thing was like, how does this guy score? Um, and now it's how does this guy act out of his scoring, which is it's it's the craziest thing ever. Um
1: well yeah, that was 8 points per game was i think the prediction the no no offense to Sam Vicini, like at all but he was the one who said zero level score i that's not a take on sam's like analysis or anything like that but it's just that nobody thought that Scotty was going to put put the brakes to people and it's he started yeah. and he doesn't stop like
0: that's,
1: it, it's uh, it's it's friend Zach sent it's unbelievable. that video cool that he sent that video that other day of that that dunk that got uh called back but it's he's driving with his left hand and he gets that shoulder and kind of on the shoulder kind of on the chest of another guy but sends him into the stanchion and then dunks with his left hand over the big who rotated over it was called off for an offensive foul but
0: that's an insane play to make you you shouldn't want to like i just want to know what like the 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 raptors development people like told him like what did they like brainwash him with to make him realize that he's capable of doing this like because like he had the best development in the world pre-college like he played in like the fiba circuit yeah um he played for kevin boyle at montverde who's like a development god um I mean Leonard Hamilton is is like known for, for is, is like a you know renowned coach and and they couldn't get this out of him like so I mean it's really just a testament to what they were able to do.
1: This is this is also I don't know if anybody will ever have the breadth of like Intel plus um basketball insights to write this piece but it's where do latent skills and development You know, where does that meet? Right. And that's another question. Yeah. When, when, when Pascal Siakam is the 27th overall pick and he becomes, you know, he's now been all NBA twice. That's an insane outcome, you know, just even from just 27th pick, but just you look at where Pascal started his career and now you look at his game, especially how he manages as like the point forward. Brandon Ingram and Pascal Siakam, as far as how they run an offense, are both way better than they both have a right to be, but one was the second overall pick and one was 27th. That's the kind of thing. And OG Ananobi as well, who some people see him hitting a wall and he has hit a wall. Maybe he gets over it in the coming years, maybe he doesn't, but he's also a guy who developed in really strange, intriguing ways. Is that the Raptors development team or were they going to develop this regardless? I'm so. I don't know where those intersect I mean I would love to
0: know like this like the whole like skill development thing is like it's it's the most fascinating question ever like like even like going back like like at what age like where does this start if we don't assume that like players like Scotty are born with this preternatural basketball you know incandescence like how does this manifest what were his like parents or coaches doing when he was nine that made him like this how do we replicate that Um, and you know what do we learn from it I mean the ball family
1: is maybe like probably the best insight into just manifesting feel for basketball just yeah I mean they're the
0: poster kids for just like let the kids play and do whatever the hell Mm -hmm. like let them make reads and and, you know run around and, and do what they do um man I miss that like 2016 Chino Hills team like, especially like growing up as a kid, like in LA, who is like, I'm like alarmingly a couple months older than Lamello. <laughs> like, do you have any
1: thoughts on his defense? I know the basically we're talking all offense to this point, but that's what your video covered. But I'm curious what you think about his defense because that was something that changed a lot during the season from point A to point B. Massive strides were taken, particularly off ball and then on ball the things that he was doing good at the start of the season didn't change to the end of the season and the things he was bad at didn't change either. There, there are some things there for Scotty to correct and adjust for sure.
0: Right. I, I don't really have extensive thoughts. I, I didn't watch enough of the Raptors defense closely at all to really comment. I will say like, like I would have kind of expected like the, you know, general, like better on ball, worse, you know, better off ball, worse on ball. Like the, the off ball defense was always really special too. Like, um, that same, like, court mapping and awareness was, was, un, like, he, he was an unbelievable team defender um, at that level. Like, especially, I think, it's, like, his Mott like, tape with, with Cade and with, like, Moses Moody were, like, the rotations were constant and they were overwhelming. Um, and, like Florida State was such a weird year for him defensively. Like that was the weirdest system where he'd like switch everything on the perimeter and like let guys go by him to like funnel into other defenders and like run around and cover second level plays on like a scramble. It was the strangest thing ever. And like I don't really think there was a ton to take away except for the fact that like he can guard the perimeter if you make him at some level. Um I don't know, like I I don't have a great answer, but I think I would expect his off-ball defense to like be quite good. Um, you know, again, like someone who maybe is going to struggle at the highest level because he's not like the most explosive and he's not going to be the greatest rim protector. Because you know, sometimes even if he sees the rotation miles away, he just doesn't have the tools to act on and contest against you know someone like Giannis or whatever who like is just going to be able to go through him anyways. But like I would expect that to be good. Um, and like someone who like I, like I, I, think a lot of these like six eight lengthy guys get like mislabeled as mobility def- like mobility mm-hmm. like searchability defenders. Yeah. Um that's never really what Scotty was, and it's like what you're saying. It sounds like that's like pretty consistent. Basically, like my rule of thumb is like however many positions you think a guy can guard, like subtract one and a half or two. Like, um, obviously, you know, like like in a pinch, end of shot clock, sure he can, you know, guard a gu- like some point on an ISO. Um, but it's not something like like positional defense is so much more than like can you guard one through five in ISO? Because that just doesn't happen. That's not how NBA, I mean that's works. It's like, can you track guys of different roles off the ball and on those kind of actions and deal with all of the little idiosyncrasies and tricks of all the different roles and archetypes that, that players execute? And you know, Scotty's length and general frame is gonna be, you know, effective funneling those like. Kind of like slashy wings um, and some more stationary fours, but like especially for like guys of his like of his size, like it's really unfair to ask them to be like doing comp like changing directions in complex ways off the ball. Um, Like only the greatest of wing defenders, forward defenders get to that. And like Scotty is really good, but I don't think it's it's just not a fair expectation I think for him to to get there. But
1: I think when when i think about scotty and what he's really good at um we can look at pascal siakam as a guy whose court coverage and length is really a boon to team defense and on top of that you also have a guy who is tracking luke Kennard off of pin downs and is sticking guys like russell westbrook and guys like john wall and is also in the heat of a seven game playoff series, stepping out on Jason Tatum with 15 seconds on the shot clock and and sticking him. That's Pascal. And if Scotty, outside of his consistent strengths now, the court coverage, he had a couple games during the season where he was just phenomenal in drop. Pascal was also like 97th percentile in drop per second spectrum. Low, low usage in that role, but a weird, weird thing. I I do wonder if Scotty, it's more important to try and emulate those types of skills rather than him constantly being miscast as that dude. You know, and and Nick Nurse has talked about before how Scotty asks for these assignments where it's these big on-ball assignments, but he failed at them repeatedly this season. And is that something he gets better at? Maybe. But he doesn't have the foot speed. He doesn't have the the mobility to kind of keep track with these star bursty guards. And I wonder if the Raptors, what their ideal version of defense for him in the future looks like, what it looks like for himself, because players and teams often have divergent views. And, and I'm curious just to see how that shakes out because his strengths for, in his mind and what he talks about seem to be like polar opposites. Yeah you know and
0: like of course every guy like that you know wants to believe that they're that guy like the, there's some level of that i think to be an nba player probably but yeah like scotty is so good at his like you know his specific skill set like the the ground coverage the off ball these stuff that like i don't think it's like necessary to try to paint him as something else especially like when the Raptors have so many other guys to cover his weaknesses like they have like pascal to do everything and, and og to stop like the you know, bigger slashers and like Gary Trent, you know, and Fred to be pests and chase guys on the perimeter. Like you don't need Scotty to be hero on that end. Um, and, and obviously, you know, like just intuitively the less, you know, the less complex mental and physical energy you have him, you know, doing and expanding on defense, he can save that. to continue working on his offensive game. And they they
1: already found an elite switching pig in Precious Achua. Scotty doesn't even need to develop that because Precious is so good at it already. Big blessing finding that guy. Uh, I think that's probably. Is there any parting shots you want to make about Scotty before we get out of here?
0: Mm, I don't know. I mean, not really. Like, um, I'm just, uh, like like we said, excited to see how he develops, Um, you know, especially as the Raptors roster inevitably all changes over the next couple of years um, and just over his career to see how he develops because. Um, It's already one of the most fascinating points in the league for me. And, you know, it's not it's going to just continue to get more fun. So
1: we'll do a, we'll do another check in in the middle <laughs> of the season to kind of see how this is going. But listener viewer, I can't recommend Ben's YouTube channel enough. It'll be linked. Uh, otherwise, probably just type in Ben Pfeiffer on YouTube. But the thing is, he's these really interesting videos like PJ Tucker as this guy who's an on ball scorer, this primary initiator. Why did Giannis fall? Was there something to look forward to that you could say? Why at 15th? He went and looked at the film from Greece Uh, again on Scotty. Just taking these really interesting analysis videos and kind of looking back at things that honestly a retrospective on a lot of these ideas, on these themes, on these players haven't really been done. And I find them to be some of the most intriguing analysis videos out there. And the the insights uh, are without compare. I, oh, I just think they're thanks. great. So yeah, man. So listener, viewer, Ben Pfeiffer on YouTube. Uh, if, if you don't like whatever video comes out that day, chances are he's going to hit on something that interests you. And you'll probably take home at least a couple insights about that player that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's what this is about—just learning, <laughs> you know, learning a few things, and then being able to say it at the bar or at the workplace or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, Giannis—you know—his ability to manipulate with a live dribble, I think, was really underrated in Greece, and he's just able to get to his thoughts. <laughs> and somebody's like, "Wow, you watched this Greece film?" Ah, uh, you don't have to answer that
0: part, but you yeah, have the it, insights. Oh, you can say you watched the tape. I'll allow it. I mean, yeah, secondhand, secondhand tape watching is, is yes. tape watching. So that's right uh i guess i kind of did the plug but did, did you want to plug your stuff before we get out of here i i don't know no nah, that's that's really it like i mean just like my twitter too um mm. which is just like bjpf underscore which i changed from my name specifically so i wouldn't have to spell my name on podcasts um <laughs> but um i don't have a, i wasn't blessed with an with an easy spelling name like samson folk um mm-hmm. But, it's pretty simple yeah <laughs> it, it is pretty simple i mean i guess you could throw like a p in there something some, someone might do that but like i don't know it's, it's hard to mess up i've I, i've seen my name messed up hundred ways in my life so the but the pf it, it throws it's people for a it's loop, rare sure. it's like yeah i mean like the, the go-to is just like like michelle pfeiffer without the two s the second one but like people also people like don't know who that is um and like I would never know who that was if it wasn't for you know, sharing a name <laughs> and like you know living and growing up in Hollywood. But um, yeah, I just like t- like wh- whatever content I do will be on my Twitter um, or my YouTube. Um, yeah, I, we're we're getting I'm getting close to being able to monetize my stuff, which TBD on how much of that actually happens because like half my stuff stuff gets copyright claimed for reasons that I can't seem to figure out. We were talking about this before. Like there's like absolutely no rhyme or reason to you know which clips they copyright like i'll have two clips from the exact same college game in my in the video and like one of the clips will be copyrighted and one of them will not and i'm just like how how does this work
1: like it's even crazier once you realize there's people whose job it is like and no shade to them because typically it's outsourced typically it's outsourced by big companies but they just pay people to make claims like you get a certain right like It could be something as small as like 25 cents per claim that you make. You know what I mean? And so they just send people out there on mass to like
0: find anything
1: they can, even if it's under fair use. It is.
0: Yeah. Which is annoying because this stuff is all like very much fair use, like commentary, transformative in nature. That's it, baby. Fair use. There's a mouse on the screen and a voice right there that wasn't there before. That's that's fair use. but But, yeah point being i'm
1: pretty sure that's what it says in the law yeah (laughs) mouth on the screen voice that wasn't there before yeah
0: i've read the law that's what it says yeah yeah, i mean again like very close to being monetized should get that within like the week or something which is pretty cool hell Um, yeah And obviously that will like hopefully i mean like you know I'll, i'll post whenever i post but yeah just just go follow me there um yeah that's it thanks thanks samson this was this this was a good time hell yeah
1: uh listener viewer if you're looking for Raptors content from me, uh, King of the Fourth Quarter, Kenny Beecham, I think. Man, that is Friday, so. That's,
0: that's so awesome. That's
1: amazing. He, man, he shouted out a piece I wrote in the middle of the year, and I got it sent to me, and he was just gassing it up, and I was like, Hell yeah, dude! And then I can't he, believe, like, like, I have to follow up, Kenny. That's not, that's not fair. <laughs> you're you're preceding Kenny. Actually, oh, we did the recording.
0: That's even worse.
1: Yeah, but for anybody, you know i don't know which channel kenny's putting it up on but if you pay attention on friday it'll be up
0: i like like i I, i've like i've like been aware of that guy for like a decade like years before i was on twitter like it's very wild like see this kind of circle that
1: that was kind of when i started doing the podcast with evan i was like dude i've been watching your videos forever (laughs) You know, and yeah, it was just kind of, especially before we even started, the bouncing around was, which you've been on, by the way, but when we were doing, uh, we did on on Kitty. That's the last bouncing around episode, by the way. Is it really? Yeah.
0: It's like the third, you know, what? it's not the first podcast that the last episode ever was was one that I was on. And I'm wondering, you
1: know, you're, you're, you're a curse. (laughs) Um, What was I going to say? but yeah anyway uh just having evan on the podcast i was like dude you, you are such a big presence in my life without even knowing it that's weird it's, about online platforms weir- it's, By it's the way, it's the
0: weirdest like coolest thing yeah.
1: yeah you can affect people the internet has a lot of bad things about it and you know getting weird comments from people and like death threats and all that kind of stuff is definitely the bad part but getting people to reach out and be like hey uh you're part of my day is a cool thing. And I hope I was part of yours, listener, <laughs> viewer, Smooth. Ben and I. Smooth. We're gonna get out of here though. So uh everybody take care out there. We'll see ya. Peace.